Shalom, this is Reverend John Ferret, and this is Truth Nuggets number 12. Truth Nuggets is a series of podcasts that I've been doing, and there are on a variety of topics. You could actually go to the website www.lightofmenorah.org, and in the right-hand window, you'll see a little a little search window, and you can actually type in Truth Nuggets plural, N-U-G-G-E-T-S, and it'll come up with the whole list, all the previous 11 ones. And these are just variety of topics, precious nuggets in the Bible. Lately, I've been doing them on Psalms, and in the uh, session description on the website for this one, I've linked you to the other podcast, the other truth nuggets on the Psalms. Now, in this lesson, we're going to focus in on one verse, one verse of one psalm. Psalm chapter 4, verse 3. Reading from the New American Standard Bible, we read, But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call him. So it sounds like God will hear the call of a godly man, or a godly woman for that matter. Now, the modern definition of prayer, I just want to do that, the short, concise definition of prayer in our modern days, communication to God. Uh, at one website, in terms of giving us the short definition, communication to God via speaking with words or singing, so therefore, when we're looking at Psalm 4, verse 3, it talks about the call of a godly man. In other words, the prayers of a godly man or a godly woman. So it sounds as if, when we're, we're, when we're reading this, it sounds like God will respond to the prayer, the call, of one who is godly. Let's read that again. Psalm 4, verse 3. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself, or, or godly woman, the Lord hears when I call to him. Now, in Hebrew, it even becomes more clear in such a way that we're able to more grasp the understanding that David, inspired by God, is trying to get across, that God is really trying to get across because he's inspiring David to write this. And even in Jesus' day. Matter of fact, as we put this psalm into Jesus' day, it becomes even more profound. So, as we see the Hebrew, and see it, how it's related to Jesus' day, our understanding is enriched and deepened. Now, I like to use the word see in terms of the meaning of, of the Hebrew words because in Hebrew, Hebrew words do not have definitions, not like English. They have conceptual meanings, they're a concept. And in many cases when you're studying the Hebrew to get at the base root word for the family of words in the concept, they normally give you a picture. And then we get the concept. So first of all, what is a godly man like? 
Now, the Hebrew word for the godly man that's used here in Psalm 4, verse 3, is chasid. Strong's number is H2623. And those of you that perhaps have taken my course, Hebrew language Bible study skills, you know you have to go to the root word, which is the base word for all of the family of words, of which one of them is chasid. The root word is chasad, and it provides a picture. So when we get to kasad, we get the understanding of one who seems to be following a leader in a very passionate and a very committed way. One who wants to follow the leader in such a way to be like the leader, to emulate the leader. So when we bring it back to Kasid, We'd say, well, wait a minute, God is the king, he's our leader, he's our shepherd, we're the sheep of his flock, and we passionately follow our Lord, we passionately follow our shepherd, we serve him and we love him and we obey him, and we want to be like him, as he is merciful and gracious to us, so to us, we want to be merciful and gracious. Now, this idea of being a chasid, a godly man or woman, seems to be related also to the days of Jesus. We are his disciples. Jesus never wanted converts. He always wanted disciples. But in order to get disciples, you need converts first. And then from the converts, you make disciples. Now, this is in the first century. Now, a disciple of Jesus or a disciple of a rab rabbi in those days was more than a devoted student. Jesus as our Ravi. Ravi is the Hebrew for my master. Jesus is the Rav, the rabbi. He's our master. We're his disciple. And in those days, a disciple of a rabbi wanted to emulate, wanted to imitate their rabbi. They wanted to be like him in such a way that they're going to passionately and ardently follow him. They want to teach what he teaches. They want to understand his view of the Torah. Those five books were the, you might say, the mainstay of all of the Bible in Jesus' day. They wanted to go in his name. So indeed, a disciple wants to go in his rabbi's name when the rabbi says, looks and sees that his disciple now has met his requirements, has, has finished his training, the disciple is blessed by his rabbi, and that disciple goes in the name of his rabbi. In other words, he comes to a town, and let's say it's me, uh, John, and uh, okay, I learned a lot of my stuff from Ray Vanderland. And so I would say if I came to your town, hi, uh, I'm John Ferret, and I'm coming in the name of Ray Vanderland. So everybody would sit back and say, oh, now we understand where he's coming from. We can understand who his teacher was. So when we go in the name of Jesus, we are disciples of Rabbi Jesus. We come in his name and say, when we teach, we teach like him. Jesus' standard of measure is our standard of measure. Remember Jesus said that? By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Well, take a look at his standard of measure. 
Now, in Jesus' day, the Jewish people, 2,000 years ago, would say, what is a major commandment in Judaism of those days? Well, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does Jesus do? He says, not only love your neighbor as yourself, but love your enemy as yourself. That's his standard of measure. And that's got to be our standard. So, for Jews in the first century A.D., a chassid, a godly man or a godly woman that we're reading here in Psalm 4, verse 3, is like a true disciple of a rabbi. For us, as Christians, we'd say, no, it's a true disciple of Jesus, as defined by the first century, not the way a church defines a disciple today. Most of the church has got it totally wrong. They think it's a, a committed student, and it's not. This is one who wants to, more than anything in their life, be like their rabbi. You've heard about the imitation of Christ? That's where it comes from. Now, this expands our understanding big time in terms of who is a godly man or a godly woman. Who is a chassid? God hears those who are his real chassidim, as in Jesus' day, God hears those, Jesus hears the call of those who are like true disciples. So, okay, we've got a better picture of a chassid, especially if we can put it in Jesus' day. A godly person in its conceptual meaning. But what does it mean that God hears his chassidim, his godly men or godly women. What does it mean that God hears the disciples of Adonai Yeshua? What does that mean? Now, suppose that there's a true disciple out there, a true disciple of Jesus, and there's a crisis. There's a crisis in this disciple's life. His friend is very, very sick. So that disciple calls out to the Lord. He prays to the Lord in a very serious way, asking for healing, asking for his friend to be restored to health. Now, in Psalm 4, verse 3, God hears. He hears the call. Is that it? As I was preparing this podcast, I heard the radio in the other room. So, no bother. And earlier in the day, my dogs were sitting on top of the couch together and they saw a squirrel and they started barking. So, dogs were barking. I, I heard them. They bark and they do that all the time. So I heard the radio, but I kept preparing. It didn't bother me. The dogs barked, no big deal, I heard it. I just didn't do anything different. Now, is that how God hears our call? He hears it. Maybe he makes a note of it and said, oh, look at this. John, my true disciple, has called me uh, because his friend is dying of cancer. And that's it. So does he hear us like hearing the radio? Does he hear us like I heard my dogs barking? 
In other words, he hears me and nothing happens. He just kind of, God keeps kind of doing what he's doing because he's got this major stuff he's trying to take care of. Let's go back to the Hebrew. God hears our call. In the Hebrew, in Psalm 4, verse 3, the Hebrew word is Shema. Strong number is H8085. So again, we're not dealing in English whatsoever. Because when we're dealing with Hebrew, the Hebrew language, not only are the Hebrew words conceptual in meaning, so therefore we get this picture. In other words, we can really grasp, almost see and, and feel the word. But it also is related to action. So Shema basically means hear so as to understand that results in an action. There's a response. It's an answer. Now this is explosive. So let's reread Psalm 4 verse 3 with these concepts in mind. But know that the Lord has set apart the ones who are passionately and lovingly following the Lord, living their lives, being like him, just like Jesus. God sets them apart for himself. And then when we call out, when we call out to the Father, he hears our call. He understands our request and he acts. What's the conclusion in this one verse? Just by going into the Hebrew and even putting it into a historical context of Jesus' day, how Jesus' disciples may have understood this psalm or this verse in this psalm. Their conclusion is, so, does God answer all prayers? Yes, if you're a true chassid, if you are a true disciple of Jesus, he hears, our, there's no limitations here. You guys, Psalm 4, verse 3, there's no limitations. God hears us. God answers our prayer. Shema, to hear and understand, and it results in action. What's required? What is the one thing and the only thing here that's required is to be a chassid. In Jesus' day, the disciples might say to be a disciple of Adonai Yeshua. This, this is repeated over and over again in the Psalms. Let's just take a look at another one. Psalm 6, verses 8 through 9. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. Guess what word is in there for heard? Shema. He has heard my weeping. He understands why am I crying. And he is going to act. God has heard, Shema, my supplication. He has heard my requests. He understands what they are and he acts. And he receives my prayer. I mean, that's the English. <laughs> 
Yeah, he receives my prayer, but the Hebrew word there is lacha. Strong's number is H3947. And we get a picture. Something that adheres. Something that sticks together. What's the picture? Receives my prayer? <laughs> yeah, he takes our requests, the weeping, the supplication, the things that we're asking for, the things we're talking to God about, and he, he makes that his own. They adhere to the will of God. What's required, though? This is a psalm that David wrote to be like David. David is a man after God's own heart. He's a chassid, a godly man. But remember, it goes deeper than that. David has called the Lord our shepherd. David is, through Psalm 23, under the inspiration of God, showing himself as a sheep following his shepherd. That's the picture. He's ardently and passionately following God. He's obeying and serving the Lord, even in the midst of trials. For, what, 10, 12, 15 years, Saul is chasing David, trying to kill him, and never do we get an indication in all that time that David was giving up. So what's required for God to hear our prayers? To be a chassid, or to be like Peter, a disciple of Yeshua. The Hebrew word there is a talmid. A Talmud of Rabbi Yeshua. Be like Peter, be like John, be like Matthew, be like Paul. These are all Talmudim of Adonai Yeshua. Or Lydia, remember her? She's the seller of purple cloth and she becomes a believer, a believer that Jesus is the Messiah. She was practicing Second Temple Judaism. And so the only change for Lydia was that all of a sudden she understood who the Lord was. She understood who Messiah was. And on top of that, Lydia was a Gentile. And she becomes a Talmidah of Yeshua. Talmidah is the feminine in the Hebrew for a disciple. So like I said, this is verified over and over and over again in God's word. Just as an example, Let's go to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching his Talmudim, his disciples, how to pray. We're looking at Matthew 6, verse 8. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, don't you realize that your Father already knows what you need before you ask? Now, if you're asking something, you are coming to God with, with, with words. That's prayer. And you're asking God for the things that you need, but God, what is Jesus saying? God already knows what you need before you ask. Jesus is only referring to the verse Isaiah 65, 24. And when you're going to put this verse in context, we're in a set of verses that's talking about the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth, talking about the end times. The Messiah has come, and the end of the age has arrived. And so what is God saying in verse 24? It will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer, 
and while they are still speaking, I will hear. Now, in context, Isaiah, inspired by God, is talking about the end times. He's talking about the people who will dwell in the new Jerusalem forever. But Jesus says, now, now is the time that you can count on God to actually understand what your needs are before you even ask. But please understand that what you think you need, God may view it differently. He acts on understanding what you need, and he understands better what you need than you do. should just remember that as he reacts to your call, as he acts after he hears your call, the word Shema again, it may not but be the answer that you want. But bless God, he knows what's better for us than we do. Let's take a look at Psalm 91, verses 14 through 16. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With the long life I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. These verses, I suggest, they should be part of your prayer life. I suggest you do this. Put your name in these verses. I'm thinking of a a wonderful sister in the Lord by the name of Sarah, who is serving God at a Mexican orphanage in Vicente Guerra on the Baja. So Sarah, I don't know if you're ever going to listen to this lesson, but I'm going to put your name in here. Because Sarah has loved me, therefore I will deliver her. I will set her securely on high because Sarah has known my name. She's going to call upon me, and I will answer her. I will be with her in trouble. I will rescue her and honor her. With a long life, I will satisfy Sarah, and I will let her see my salvation. And again, Jesus' name means salvation. So with a long life, I will satisfy Sarah, and I will let her see Yeshua. Wow! So in here, in these verses, this person loves the Lord. This person knows his name. Now the word there is yada. It's experiential knowing, not mental belief. I believe that there's a radio in front of me. I can see the radio. I actually use the radio during the day to play music. There it is. No effect on me. But this is experiential knowing. It's one thing to simply say that you believe in God, but it's the other thing is to actually live your life based upon that belief. So God will shema my call. He will hear and he will answer. What's to be required? Be a kasid. One of my favorite verses in relation 
ship to this is Psalm 116, verses 1 through 2. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore shall I shall call upon him as long as I live. Did you hear it? I love the Lord because he, Shema. He hears my voice. He hears my supplications, my requests, my prayers. And on top of that, the Lord has inclined his ear to me. Wow, this is amazing. If you're a real Talmud or a real Talmidah, in other words, if you're a real disciple of Adonai Yeshua, he hears your prayers, he understands your requests, and he acts. Now remember, his answer may not be what you think you need, but remember that he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he's inclined his ear towards us. He's always waiting for you to talk to him. Remember the modern definition of prayer. Communication to God could be with, mostly, obviously, probably with words or with singing. Simple definition. God is waiting to hear from you. He wants you to come and talk to him. He's always waiting for you. Every day, every hour, every second. I suggest that at this point you may want to take a look or listen to the four-part series I did on Philippians 4, 6 through 7. You'll remember it where Paul is saying, be anxious for nothing but in everything, with prayer, with supplication, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the shalom of Adonai, the shalom of God, will keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus. That is such a powerful verse. I highly recommend that perhaps after you listen to this, that you would go to those four podcasts. I've linked them at the website. So if you go to the website, www.lightamenorah.org, and remember, menorah is spelled M-E-N-O-R-A-H, so it's www.lightamenorah, all one word, no spaces, lowercase, .org. And you find the picture for this session that indeed under there you'll find the links to that four-part podcast which is called for such a time as this. So the good news is we can get up each and every day of our lives no matter what you face. You may be living in good times, you may be living in bad times, but your father is anxiously awaiting to hear from you that's a fact. That's something to thank God for. I mean, you can thank God right from the get-go each and every day. I want to end off with something that Jesus teaches, and it's very harsh. It's very difficult. I'm going to take a look at it. It's Matthew 5, 
verses 43 through 45. And so we read in Matthew 5, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? This is a very difficult, harsh fact. The evil, the wicked, along with the chasadim of Adonai, the disciples of Jesus, both of these groups experience good times, prosperity, health, joy. They experience sunshine. But Jesus goes on to say that for both of these groups, they experience bad times. They experience poverty, sickness, suffering, sadness. They experience the rain. For all the years I've lived, I've, I've seen no difference. As we live this life in this world, I have seen godly, wonderful Christians suffer, die, subject to awful disease, faced with real tragedies. What's Jesus saying? That's life, folks. Grow up. Get used to it. That's the way it is. He never promised you heaven on earth. However, we do know this. The Jewish concept is tekun olam. Everything will be fixed. When Messiah comes, when Jesus returns, everything will be restored and there will be no death. Sin will be taken care of. But until then, we live in a fallen world. There's no difference. But wait a minute. There is a difference. There is a difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. There is a difference between the godly person and the ungodly person. There is a difference between the chasadim of Adonai and harasha, the evil ones, the ungodly. As a chasid, what promise do we have? God hears our call. He hears our cry. He hears our praise. He hears our thanksgiving. He understands it. And he acts. We remember the word Shema. We're not like the ungodly. We're not like the unrighteous. There is a difference between us. Jesus has already told us that he already knows what we need before we ask. This is the very words of God. You can take that to the bank. What a way to live. Such an amazing truth to hold on to each and every day. Right before he ascended to the Father, Jesus said this in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Are you a Kassid? 
a godly man, a godly woman? Are you a true disciple of Jesus? One who wants to be more than anything in your life to be like him? In everything you do, no matter it's work or play, to be like Jesus? A number of years ago, there used to be something that people would wear on their wrist or they would have a necklace and it would be the WWJD. What would Jesus do? Yeah, that's it. That's the concept. A chassid, a godly person, a disciple of Adonai Yeshua is always asking, what would Jesus do? So therefore, this is what I will do. So we want to be like him. He's telling us to go. Go like him. He was sent and he sends us. He was given the words by his father to teach. And Jesus in John chapter 18, the night before he died, he said, Father, the words that you gave me, I've given to them. Jesus taught. And what does he say to us right here? He said in verse 20, you teach them to observe all that I commanded you. He taught, so we have to be like him to teach. Jesus made Talmudim. Jesus made Talmidaot. He made disciples. So for us, we are disciples and we are to go make disciples. Yes. Be a Kasid. Be a Kasid of Adonai. Be a true disciple of Adonai Yeshua. And he has said this. He's always going to be with us in this fallen world even to the end of the age. And this makes all the difference. Shalom.